Hello, and welcome to TP Talks, PwC's Global Transfer Pricing Podcast Series. My name is Dana Hart, and we welcome you to our next episode in a special series addressing transfer pricing readiness amid economic uncertainty. In today's episode, we will be discussing transfer pricing controversy, specifically as it relates to government subsidies in response to the current economic crisis and the potential controversy issues that may arise. And joining me here today to discuss this, I have Shiraj Keshvani. Shiraj is the Tax Dispute Resolution Transfer Pricing Leader for PwC Canada. Diane Hay. Diane is from our PwC London office and is the Special Advisor Tax Controversy Co-Leader for Europe. And Carolyn Fanneroff from PwC US. Carolyn is a Transfer Pricing Managing Director with PwC's Washington National Tax Services Practice. And Carolyn, you are the moderator for today's podcast, so I will hand it off to you to start the discussion. Thanks, Dana, and hi, everybody. Uh, We're really excited to be with you on this podcast. A quick note, Shiraz and Diane are both former uh, officials in the Taxing Authority, Diane in the UK, Shiraz in Canada, and uh, just two awesome people to talk about subsidies. So what's interesting about this topic is that it's kind of a narrow lens to look at what's going on with the pandemic. We all hear a, a lot of news about it, but let's take a closer look at what government subsidies are, uh, how the governments are using them as a tool to help their economies and what it means for us as transfer pricing practitioners. So uh, with that, I'm going to hand it over to Diane to set the stage for us. Tell us about subsidies and and some of the big transfer pricing issues we're looking at. Diane? Thank you, Carolyn. Well, it really goes without saying, but um, we we are seeing an absolutely massive amount of government money going to business at the moment. They reckon, uh, the figure I've seen is 30 trillion, I can't even say it, it's so big, $30 trillion altogether has been given to business or individual businesses in terms of subsidy. And a lot of that has gone in the form of job-related subsidies. In the UK alone, 9 million people have been supported in this way. And there's a very similar story in many other countries, and we're going to come across US, Canada, Australia, France, Japan, who have all put massive amounts of money to to business. Now, the interesting thing here, and this is what we want to talk about, is that usually in a recession, the government steps in and it does things to keep people working. It lowers the cost of money. It introduces new projects, new infrastructure uh, programs, all designed to keep the level of activity high and keep people in jobs. The COVID-19 subsidies are to some extent different from that because these subsidies are really a non-economic incentive, not to save jobs directly, but to save lives, to keep people at home, make sure that there's a job for them at the end of the day, but in it to enable people to look after their children, to enable people to shelter uh, and to look after and care for others. But a quite unusual thing for governments to do in this way. And what I think we're going to see is 
as the governments come through this crisis, and let's hope you know there is some light at the end of the tunnel, I think what we're going to see is governments and tax authorities particularly wanting to make sure that the money has been used as it was intended. And there's sort of two elements to this. And of course, you know, the first one is there will have been fraud here. It's it's inevitable that some people will have seen an opportunity to take advantage of this free money. But we don't want to talk about that today. <laughs> we want to talk about the transfer pricing issues around this. Because what we're already hearing and seeing is that governments are saying quite clearly that the money that they've given through these schemes should not be used to subsidize overseas businesses through transfer pricing arrangements. Now, subsidies is a difficult issue, and I'm going to throw this over to Shiraj in a minute to talk us through some of the challenges around subsidies when we talk about transfer pricing and how we deal with subsidies. But here we have a very specific question, I think. Are we going to see challenges to transfer pricing where instead of the benefit of those subsidies passing through, let's call it the supply chain, so moving down the uh, supply chain from the, let's take an example. Um, I've seen one recently where a studio in Canada that uh, produces the work for a video games business in the UK and they get a subsidy. And the big question here is, can that subsidy pass through the supply chain? And the answer there is, we think so because there is an economic benefit being passed here. But here, with COVID-19, there is no value being created. So this is a really difficult question, um, but I suppose it boils down to, are we gonna see challenges to transfer pricing where the benefit of these subsidies passes to an overseas affiliate? And to answer that question, I'm going to turn to my friend Shiraz, who's a very, very good economist, and he's going to explain to us, I think, the difference between the COVID-19 subsidies and how we think they might be treated and what tends to happen in the ordinary case of a subsidy. For sure, Diane. Thank you very much. You know, I think it's just inevitable that we are going to see challenges, and we're already starting to see that in the behavior of the different governments, right? I mean, specifically, Canada has very specifically said, and we know uh, Alex McLean, uh, Director General for the International Tax Audit Function has said that they're going to be looking at these COVID subsidies and want to be sure that they're not being passed through the supply chain, through transfer pricing or to their you know, affiliates in the multinational organization. We can look to the Dutch TP degree, which very specifically says that if you can trace a subsidy through the cost or its cost through the supply chain, you may pass it through. And it's not clear that in this particular case that we'll be able to trace those costs. So I do think that we're going to see challenges. Canada's also said that they're going to be taxing the web giants in their federal speech from the throne. What's happening here? You know, I think we have to recognize the amount of spending that we're looking at is just simply unprecedented. And somebody, and somehow we'll have to recover these funds. Just for perspective, 
you know, the IMF talked about the 2009 financial crisis. That was a reduction in GDP of 0.1%. They're estimating the COVID-19 impact to be in and around 7%. That's a greater reduction in GDP than we saw in the Great Depression. And yet we don't feel it because of that level of spending. So then where is that money going to come from? I think it's going to come from the multinationals in part, and this effort to recover these subsidies is simply a recognition of the level of spending. But on your subsidy question specifically, you know, when we talk about that film tax credit or the entertainment tax credit, you know, we can see that and watch it through. One, the purpose of that incentive, in my mind, is to create a business opportunity to localize investment in Canada and to think about it as development of an industry. From an economic point of view, we see that occurring in many jurisdictions. And so what we see is a competitive behavior in the allocation of these types of opportunities, and that results in that subsidy moving through the supply chain. I just simply don't see the same type of effect here with these COVID-19 subsidies. I mean, that's, as you said, let's think about it. Why are the subsidies being provided? Well. They're either being provided to, to help people who are at home so they don't undertake risky behavior, or they're being delivered through business to ensure that people stay employed or that they have a job to go back to. But in either case, the test is that there was a reduction in revenue, at least in the Canadian cost, or a reduction in performance. And one might have thought in that case, well, business would respond by reducing costs. So here we have the government deploying support through the businesses, but they're not necessarily generating economic value. It's then very difficult to accept the notion that governments ought to expect, imagine in your subsidy case or your case, that the entity is in fact a cost plus entity, that you would not pass that benefit through the supply chain, but instead retain it and on a markup on it, it's completely counterintuitive and doesn't align, in my mind, with the fundamental economic outcome in the business context. Certainly there's support being provided, certainly it's a benefit, but is it generating economic value? That's really difficult to say. And I think as you trace it through, it's really a very specific kind of analysis around what's the benefit. So Shiraz and Diane, let me put this question to you both based on this idea that there's a huge amount of money running through the system. There's not necessarily the economic benefit to the companies that we would expect. Can you both comment on, oh, and one other thing, which is that the controversy that we know already, the Canadians and the Australians and the Dutch are out there uh, talking about this. Uh, Shiraz, you've earlier mentioned the real-time Canadian audits of the subsidies. So if we take all of these pieces together, what do we think is the best approach for companies? We know there's going to be controversy. Is this a good time to get an APA? Is this a good time to get the governments actually talking about this and locking in the solution? Is it a time not to get an APA? What are your thoughts about that? And Diane, maybe let's start with you. Okay, well, I think we, we we're only just starting to understand what this means. And I think what we've still don't really understand is whether the transfer pricing treatment will differ 
depending on what you did with the government's money. I think if it was a furlough in the sense that you pay people to stay at home and not work, then I think your transfer pricing may be different to a subsidy that you get in order to keep your business going and your workers at work. And I think that's the point where I think this is so difficult to to understand. It's taken me quite a, a lot of thinking to understand that there is a real economic difference here because one to me passes through the supply chain and the other one doesn't. And I think what we're going to see is a challenge from governments to try and get back as much of that subsidy as possible to the extent that they get back all of their subsidy, if they can, with a markup on top, as Shiraz says, is ridiculous. But I think the first thing we have to really understand and businesses need to understand is what have I done with this money? Have I used it to create economic value in my business? And if I have, then how am I going to document that and, and resist the challenge that's going to come along from governments to say, hold on a minute, we want all of that subsidy put in your cost base and we're going to mark it up and get a return on that. Because to me, that that is where these audits are going to go. And I think, you know, businesses need to be prepared for that. Diane, I think you're absolutely right. It's really about understanding what we did with the money. I mean, we're already seeing, Carolyn, you mentioned APAs. We're already seeing APAs, audits, and CRAs back to business and is conducting audits. And even in the context of MAP, questions around well, how is COVID-19 affecting your business and what have you done and what has been your response? And there's a whole host of responses, right? Well, we had a shutdown, we had some periodic costs, they didn't generate any value. We shifted and changed our direction to respond to uh, you know, client bases or customers and their needs. Understanding how that money is flowing through your business and what value it's creating is critical. But you can see, you know, the circumstance, just to take the, the countries that we already mentioned, Canada wanting a cost plus on its subsidy, the ATO wanting a cost plus on its subsidy, and the Dutch decree saying the same thing. The sum of the parts are going to be larger than the whole. We started with the premise that not all of these payments are creating economic value, right? They're not being deployed in the business to generate new productivity. They're being deployed in the business to support individuals. And so that documentation is key, right? We're seeing governments becoming increasingly insular. And I'm going to turn it back to you in just a second, but I just have to speak of this. The CRA has announced their Audit File Resolution Committee, which is a committee to resolve large cases of incidences of tax reassessment. And one of the things that they've said is that they will consider a more favorable response in the circumstance in which you might be willing to, you know, forgo your right to competent authority. Now, that is not resolution-minded. That is oriented around, you know, creating that certainty and ensuring the tax base. And I think that's just the start of many governments. That coupled with the fact that not everyone's going to audit at the same time. CRA's first out the gate. They've already said they're going to start real-time audits. You're going to have timing differences in different governments presenting themselves and um, you know, emerging with their views over time. So there is this real need to think proactively about that dispute. 
I think Shiraz and Diane, you're both pointing to the importance of really having contemporaneous uh, documentation, not just the traditional 6662 or country by country reporting, but actually really a narrative explanation of where that money went, a paper trail, because a year from now, two years from now, it's going to be much harder to uh, put the pieces together. And I, I'll just say also that it, it's possible to get other data points to look at, say, what are your competitors doing? Because if you're having to argue with the CRA or, or, or with the ATO about the choices that you made, if you can point to what your competitors are doing or what the industry's doing now, today, in the midst of the crisis, that can be helpful when, you, when you're having a discussion with the taxing authorities later. Yeah. So, Diane, did you want to add something? Well, only that I think this is going to be a global issue because governments have pumped so much money into not just the economy, but into their citizen hands. And they've done that quickly. They did it for all the right reasons. But now they're, they're wanting to find a way of recouping some of that. And understandably, but we can't have all these different approaches going off with business trapped in the middle and actually becoming now the funder of government in that sense. And this is where the OECD needs to, I think, give us some guidance, give us a set of, of parameters or principles to apply here. When is it right to take a subsidy into the cost base and when is it not right? And I think that would be enormously helpful if OECD think about that. They're going to produce a report on COVID-19. This is a crunch issue for me and I think for many businesses. I'd absolutely have to agree with you. <laughs> That's nice. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it is certainly a place for the OECD and maybe a place for some perspective. Yeah. But from a day-to-day -day point of view, um, you know, we had a court case in Canada that I thought was very insightful, um, really deals with kind of some interesting tax planning behavior and what was acceptable. But the judge in that particular case did make some very interesting comments. Specifically, he said, the task of transfer pricing is not to determine what you, taxpayer, would have done in the alternate circumstance but what arm's length parties would have done. And I think that's really relevant here. What we will face as we face tax authorities in the future is a question, is a hypothesis around what else you could have done with the money, not what you did with the money. And I think, you know, it will be important to document not what I could have done with the money, but what I did do with the money and what the arm's length outcome is. That documentation that we're yeah. talking about, that understanding the spending, understanding what our competitors are doing, is all about understanding what is, not what could have been, and getting away from the typical tax authority trap of trying to prove the negative. And um, understanding that, I think, will be key, maybe in some just tangible terms. And so just to sort of wrap this up, here are a few quick takeaways. First, understand exactly what your business circumstances are, how those subsidies have impacted your business, how you've used them. Where has that money gone? 
What did you use the subsidies for? Where did it create economic value? How did it go through the supply chain? There are some things to consider while we're waiting for the OECD to give us guidance. Hopefully they will give us guidance, but in the meantime, use your annual documentation as the opportunity to shore this up now. It'll be so much easier now than it will be later. So I think with that, we're gonna wrap it up. Diane Hay, Shiraz Keshwani, thank you so much and all the best. Carolyn, Diane, and Shiraj, thank you for the fantastic insights. I also wanna thank our listeners. If you have any questions about this topic, we encourage you to reach out to your regular PwC transfer pricing contact for immediate response. As always, your PwC teams stand ready to accompany you on this journey every step of the way. Stay safe and healthy. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.